Hello, this is Anthony Day with your Sustainable Futures Report for the 17th of June, brought to you without sponsorship, subsidy or advertising. And because there's no proprietor to upset, I can say exactly what I like. I'm going to talk about more undersea cables, like the ones from Norway that we heard about last week. There's news about those children suing the US government. And yes, we have just had the hottest May since records began. It's hot in Dubai too, where they've announced a major CSP project, Concentrated Solar Power. And it's my last chance before the vote to give you my views on Brexit and the coming chaos, whatever the result. But first, I'm going to tell you in more detail about the Sustainable Best Practice Mastermind Group. SBPMG, the Sustainable Best Practice Mastermind Group, came out of the Sustainable Best Practice Exchange, the conference which took place in April. There are many mastermind groups like Vistage, the Academy for Chief Executives, My True North, and so on. The difference is that SBPMG is for sustainability professionals. The others are more for general managers and business owners. The basic principle of a mastermind group is for these senior executives to get together away from the office and to discuss problems and challenges of mutual interest on neutral ground. The Chatham House rule means that whatever is discussed in the group stays in the group. A mastermind group typically has six to eight members who meet together regularly and build a rapport based on mutual respect and trust. The usual format is to give each member an hour, 10 minutes to introduce a challenge or new idea, 10 minutes for the other members to ask questions, and for the rest of the time each member feeds back ideas, actions and recommendations. SBPMG goes further. The sessions are intended to last a full 24 hours, starting with a private dinner with an expert speaker. Members stay overnight in the conference hotel, so are ready to start a full day's discussions straight after breakfast. At the end of the day, they'll leave with a fund of ideas and an action plan. I'll be in touch with them between meetings, which will be held every two months, to discuss the outcomes and to find out what they would like to achieve from future sessions. That was the plan. I have to say that we've had varying reactions from the sustainability professionals that we've contacted. Most of them are enthusiastic, but there are differences about what they are prepared to pay and how much time they can afford to spend. Do we just meet for a day with no previous evening session? Do we meet less frequently than every two months, quarterly, say? And many companies, large and small, complain about tight budgets and lack of funds. I've taken a radical decision to make the first session on the 7th of July totally free of charge. You can understand that the meeting is now virtually full. That didn't take long. In addition to prospective members, I've invited a number of sustainability specialists. They will introduce discussions on topics of the type that we'll explore in greater detail in regular sessions. Topics including the oil price, critical resources and global water security. Delegates will therefore pick up value from the day and in return I'm asking them to tell me what they would like to do, how often they would like to do it 
and what they're prepared to pay. I do need to cover my costs. I'll let you know how things go in the Sustainable Futures report for the 15th of July. That episode is likely to be the final one before the summer. As I said to start with, I get no advertising, subsidy or support for this podcast, and I've now been doing it irregularly from 2006 to 2014, and regularly with an episode every Friday since November 2014. Every week I have to research and write 3,000 words, which takes at least a day and sometimes a day and a half. I'm therefore planning to suspend the Sustainable Futures Report from the 15th of July until September. I need a holiday. Back in April, I reported that a group of children had taken the United States government to court for failing to safeguard their health by allowing organisations to use polluting fossil fuels. They were successful in the first court, but the case is going to appeal. We now know that the appeal will be heard in September. I'll keep you informed. Back in April, I reported that we had just had the hottest March on record, following the hottest February and the hottest January. Then we had the hottest April, and now we hear that we've just had the hottest May. We're talking hottest in terms of global averages, so it may not have been particularly warm where you are. But there's no doubt that this run of successive hottest months has to be cause for concern. Even so, so far nobody seems to have taken much notice of it. I have been critical of the UK government's energy policy, but it seems I'm not alone. Alexander Temerko, a Ukrainian-born entrepreneur and Conservative Party donor, criticises it too, and he's doing something about it. He's building, or planning to build, a 150-mile interconnector from the UK to France. Like the cables between Norway and Denmark that we learnt about last week, this will import electricity from France and vice versa. Since there is an hour's difference in the local time between France and the UK, periods of peak demand in the two countries are unlikely to coincide. The current capacity of the UK's interconnectors is 4 gigawatts. This new cable will add another 2 gigawatts. Mr Tamerka is seeking exemption from EU regulations on interconnectors. This will mean that he will not receive any consumer-funded financial support if revenues are lower than expected. At the same time, there will be no cap on the rate charged if demand is significantly higher than expected. Good for Mr Tomerko's company if the gamble comes off, but an expensive 2 gigawatts is probably not enough to materially affect consumer prices. Climateactionprogram.org, which is associated with the United Nations Environment Programme, UNEP, tells us that Dubai is building the largest concentrated solar power, CSP, project in the world. The Dubai Electricity and Water Authority, DUA, said the project would be operational within the next five years. It caught my eye because a couple of years ago I was interviewed for the position of director of the Dubai Carbon Centre of Excellence, part of the Electricity and Water Authority. 
was an interesting opportunity. Almost a dream job. Substantial salary, no tax, apartment, living allowance and frequent flights back to the UK. In the event, they found an internal candidate. Oh well, that's life. Anyway, the new CSP site will generate a 1,000 megawatts of power by 2030 as part of the Dubai Clean Energy Strategy to generate 75% of Dubai's power from clean energy by 2050. Concentrated solar power is generated using circular rings of solar mirrors called heliostats that direct sunlight into a central collection tower where the sun's rays power a steam turbine to generate electricity. The project is set to surpass a CSP tower in Morocco that has a power generating capacity of 150 megawatts, Dubai energy officials said. The new CSP project is expected to deliver inexpensive power at less than 8 US cents per kilowatt hour. Right, last chance before the vote. So here is my view on Brexit. First of all, I believe that this referendum is totally unnecessary and was only called because of strife within the Conservative Party. And boy, is there strife in the Conservative Party. That has become very obvious in the last few weeks. It now looks as though the Leave campaign will win. So this time next week, we could be on our way out of Europe. We've been in the EU for over 40 years, and I think it's fair to say that it is the status quo. I think it is totally irresponsible to decide the question of leaving the EU on a simple majority. In our case, a majority of the people who can be bothered to vote. Any other government or organisation seeking to make what amounts to a constitutional change would demand support by at least 60% and possibly even 75% of the voters before making such a radical change. My prediction, and you heard it here first, is that David Cameron will be out of office by the end of the month. If he loses the referendum, there's no chance at all that he can stay on to implement an exit process. If he wins by a small margin, I believe that the Brexiteers in his party will gang up on him and force him from office. God knows what they'll put in his place, but my firm opinion is that we should then have a general election. The thought of the Brexiteers believing that they have the right to take over government if they win the referendum is outrageous. The prospect of the Brexiteers forming a government is extremely concerning. Uh, a note here for foreign listeners. Uh, Brexit is the British exit and Brexiteers are the people who want it to happen. Yes, they do say, the Brexiteers, they do say that if we stop paying our contributions to the EU, we'll be able to use the money for something else. Well, there are two problems with that. £350 million a week looks like a lot of money. Even the actual net figure of £8 billion a year, agreed by both sides, looks quite large. But if you put it in the context of total government spending of £750 billion per year, it's trivial. And would they actually spend it on all the good things they say they'll use it for? Our present government is committed to austerity and is doing everything it can to shrink the state. Members of the Leave campaign have not marked themselves out as left-wing do-gooders. From where I am standing, they look substantially to the right of the present lot. 
It's more than likely that the former EU contribution will simply be absorbed as a useful saving. Then there's the issue of red tape, unnecessary regulations. Leave the EU and we're free of them. What sort of regulations? Well, the blue flag clean beaches regulation, for example. The UK fought hard to resist that, and although we do now have many beaches which meet the standard, we are still the country with some of the dirtiest beaches in Europe. Once out of the EU, we can tear up the blue flags and go back to dumping raw sewage into the sea. Or well, what about air pollution? We have a serious air pollution problem in the UK. London exceeded its total annual limit for nitrous oxide pollution around the middle of January. That's right, the whole year's allowance used up before the end of January. Out of the EU and we can abolish air pollution standards. Professor Martin Williams, the government's former senior air quality advisor, warns that we have not met European standards for air quality and the UK has been required to produce plans for meeting them as soon as possible. Without European regulations, he believes that the pressure will come off and things will just get worse. Reports vary, but bad air quality causes between 39,000 and 60,000 premature deaths in the UK each year. Am I being overly cynical? Well, let me tell you about the Deregulation Act, which became law last year. Look it up. It describes itself as an act to make provision for the reduction of burdens resulting from legislation for businesses or other organisations or for individuals. Make provision for the repeal of legislation which no longer has practical use. Make provision about the exercise of regulatory functions and for connected purposes. It's claimed that it can change all other law according to criteria of growth. It is a meta-regulation which allows for all other legislation and regulations to be assessed on the criterion of how they affect growth and with the assent of Parliament to be changed in relation to this criterion. This means that business interests will be above social and environmental protections in lawmaking. The Act has a section headed Reduction of duties relating to energy and climate change. Clearly, we're already getting rid of red tape. But has anybody considered babies and bathwater? I don't normally agree with Nigel Farage. I never agree with Nigel Farage. But he did say something sensible last week. I paraphrase. Life is about a lot more than just GDP and profits. Dead right, Nigel. Well, that's enough for this week. Thank you for feedback, comments and ideas. I read them all and I use what I can. Apologies if your idea hasn't come up yet. It will. It will. This is Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. Don't forget to vote. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.